0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Believe in New York Football Podcast presented by BetOnline.ag here on the Belief Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. The NBA and college basketball are back. The NFL and college football playoffs are right around the corner. With all these sports going on, there are plenty of bets to be locked in on. Now, whether you're thinking of picking the Lakers to repeat as NBA champions or looking for someone to upset Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in the playoffs, you need to go to betonline.ag to place your bets. We had a huge week this week huge winning week five units up nine and four on the weekend and after all this is said and done 91 55 and five overall record we are looking at an above 60 percent winning percentage on this show and we have one week left to continue to improve that so when you listen to our best bets this week make sure you head to betonline.ag to place those from game spreads to totals to team player and coaching props Bet online gives you more options to wager than any other place online, and there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So, at the to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. What is up? How are we doing? Past the holidays, or we're still in the holidays? Technically, I guess. Merry Christmas! I already said that last week, but. Happy New Year. Well, we're not there yet, but I won't see you guys again until the New Year. So, Week 17, we've made it. I am your host, Steven Tino Rodriguez. Be sure to check us out wherever podcasts are available. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and the Believe website. Like, download, rate, and subscribe on all those. Be sure to follow me at Tino Rodriguez with a double underscore as well as the podcast account at NYFootballPod on Twitter. Guys, Another great week of gambling here at the New York Football Podcast, and we actually had another surprising week, not in terms of winning and gambling, but the Jets are on a winning streak. Yes, you heard that right. One of my picks last week with Benny, you know, I like the Browns a little too much and switched it. And said, you know what, I think the Jets got this one. And they they bowled it off. They took care of business, solidifying themselves as the number two overall pick. So good for them. I guess if you're going to get the number two overall pick, you might as well keep winning. We'll we'll get into that in just a little bit. We'll also touch on the Giants getting throttled by the Ravens. And yet somehow still being in a spot to win the NFC East in Week 17. Benny Ricciardi will also be here on the show as he is always a part of FTN Network and FTN Bets. Benny will come on and help me break down the gambling lines for Week 17 as we look to find early value and continue to pile up these wins. 91-55-5, show record. Pretty, pretty good, guys. So make sure you stick around and listen to those best bets. But let's talk some football, and let's start with the Jets. And so the Jets won, like I said, a second game in a row. They win this one 23-16, and for the second game in a row, it wasn't really that close. The score seemed a lot closer than it actually was. There was a lot going on in this game, and even before the game. A day or two before game time, reports came out that essentially the entire Browns receiving core, not even essentially, the, the, the actual entire Browns receiving core, including Jarvis Landry, Richard Higgins, so on and so forth, were going to sit out the game due to COVID, which dropped the gambling line from 10.5 all the way down to 7.5, which still proved to be way more than enough because the Jets were rolling. Uh, you know something? And they didn't start. The same way they normally start. And I say that because their streak of eight consecutive games opening with points on the board, eight consecutive scoring opening drives, was put to an end. So they actually were down 3 nothing in this game. But went on to score 17 unanswered and put the game out of reach for Cleveland. Player of the game was, without a doubt, Jamison Crowder. I mean, this guy had to have won multiple people fantasy leagues if you picked him up, streamed him, and played him. I know someone that happened to uh, directly and Brutal, over 30 points, Crowder opened up the Jets scoring with a double reverse touchdown pass to Braxton Barrios from 43 yards out to give the Jets a 7-3 lead, then would add a 30-yard touchdown reception of his own from Darnold in the third to extend the lead to 20-3. He finished with seven receptions on nine targets for 92 yards. And offensively, he wasn't the only encouraging sight to see. I mean, there was a lot going on for this Jets offense. Darnold looked sparingly well, and... Tight end Chris Herndon finally got involved in the passing game. He caught his second touchdown of the season. Guy I thought I was going to be a breakout candidate this season. Was the complete opposite. Had issues with fumbles, but was able to get in the end zone on a Darnold pass. And the Jets had a lot work in their way. Their defense played really, really well. Sacking Mayfield four times, forcing two fumbles. Now granted, the Browns didn't have any receivers. And yet they thought it'd be a good idea to throw the ball 53 times and only hand it off to Hunt and Chubb a combined 15 times which doesn't exactly add up, but besides that point, the Jets did what they had to do. They played the defense that they had to play, and they got the job done, and so a tip of the cap to them, and now we're at the point where I wholeheartedly believe the Jets are going to finish this season on a three-game winning streak. I think they're going to beat the Patriots this week, and I never thought I'd say this, but hell, you know what? Anything's possible, right? They open as three-and-a-half-point road dogs. The Patriots look out of sorts. Who knows if Cam's going to start or not at this point, but the Jets are rolling, and I'm going to ride the hot hand. Now, I like them to cover that three-and-a-half. I think that's the smartest play, and we'll talk about it when Benny gets on the show, but give me the Jets to win outright. I I don't see them losing this week for some reason, and maybe I'm too confident on that, and we'll see if I psych myself out later when Benny's on the show because I did that with the Browns and then picked the Jets, but... I like the Jets, I feel confident in them, and that's something I would never think um, I would get to at this point of the season. But hey, 2020, weird season, week 17, it's going to be a wild one. And speaking of a wild week 17, let's go to the giant side of things because here we are entering week 17, we have double digit losses, and yet somehow some way we can win the NFC East. And for the listeners of this show and clapback sports, you know what my prediction was. 6 and 10 would be the division winner. And I thought it could be the Giants if they are able to beat Dallas. But I knew it would come down to that game. And if they were going to win, it'd be 6-10. and 10. Now, they're going to need help, though, because Washington might be able to get to seven wins. And we'll see if that even happens because they're going to rush Alex Smith back because they desperately need help at quarterback. But, hey, look, we're here. This is what we wanted. I didn't know this was actually going to happen. But now that it's here, I don't know how to feel about it. So let's roll back real quick and recap the game here just for a little bit because... There isn't much positive other than we're playing for the division in the final week of the season because the Giants offensively look lifeless again. And this time it was Jason Garrett back in action calling the plays and large in part our offensive line looked terrible again for the second week in a row. And now somehow Danny did not turn the ball over despite being sacked six times and getting hit really hard. And... That's something no one's going to talk about because we only talk about when he does things wrong. But I thought Danny was a pleasant surprise and we'll get to that in a second. But Giants O-line allowed six sacks and they could barely do anything in the running game. I mean, the running game was lackluster to say the least. Non-existent might honestly be the better way to describe it because they rushed 12 times for 54 yards between five players. Three of the Giants' first four drives were a total of five plays or less, two of them being three and outs. Now, mind you, those are whatever if you're in a close back and forth game, but when the defense isn't slowing down the Ravens whatsoever, and I mean at all, it's an issue. This was easily the defense's worst performance of the year. Last week, I said I would not get very hard on this defense because they've done so much for us, but... They look vulnerable the last couple of weeks. Patrick Graham is out of sorts. Yeah, they sparingly kept this game close in terms of points. They forced a fumble towards the end of the game. Score could have been a lot worse. They allowed the Ravens to open the game up and manhandle on a 13-play touchdown drive that took over eight minutes off the clock. And then followed with three more double-digit scoring drives in the first half alone. The Ravens scored every time they touched the ball. Five of the first six drives resulted in points for the Ravens. And the more you look at Sunday, the more depressing it gets in terms of what this Giants team really is at this point in time, in terms of what we felt confident in early in the season. And the defense has not looked that way at all. And this offense has just not gotten better or figured anything out. But the bright spot, Daniel Jones' return, and he looked back to normal for the most part. He threw his first touchdown pass in four weeks, which is pretty depressing, but yet very encouraging. He was able to show limited movement in the pocket, which was great, but there's still no designed runs for Danny, which I feel is causing more pressure on these sacks because without him being able to move back there and setting up Danny on design runs, there is no legitimate threat in our running game or offense in general. It is vital, and we talked about it all year, vital for Danny to be on the move and use those legs and have teams worry about that. If not, it's a free-for-all, and when he's back there dropping back and is not comfortable running... They're just going to have at it. So a good defense like the Ravens took advantage of it. But now we head into Sunday night's matchup against Dallas against a defense that isn't very good. I mean, they're going to have a solid defensive front and they have played a lot better. But the season's on the line and I'm really hoping to see Danny utilize in this run game a lot more. Take advantage of this crappy Dallas Cowboys defense. I'd love to see more shots downfield against a, a secondary that, yes, has gotten a little bit better, but surrenders a lot of yards, surrenders a lot of points. So... Look, the Giants scored their highest point total of the season in Dallas back in Week 5. They lost 37-34 as time expired on a field goal. You run that back, they missed a really bad holding call to set up that uh, field goal at the end of the game. And Dak also got hurt. So there was a lot going on in that game. Obviously, circumstances are almost as drastic but different Week 17 division on the line. But a lot at stake on Sunday. The Giants can go from hosting a playoff game to possibly picking in the top five. Really weird week 17. 2020 is all over the place. And week 17 ends with Washington at Philly on Sunday night. And if you didn't know yet, if Washington loses the winner of Giants-Cowboys, wins the NFC East. So it'll be a wait and see kind of moment for whoever comes out on top. But let's go Giants. They open as two and a half point home dogs. And I would rather it no other way. But alright, now let me quickly touch on this Army bowl game before I get you guys ready for Week 17's Best Bets with Benny. And as I mentioned last week, Army almost had no bowl game to play due to people opting out due to COVID concerns in the Pac-12, a bunch of back and forth. And now we're set to play on New Year's Eve in the Liberty Bowl against West Virginia. Now, long story short, the Mountaineers have not played, well they played one game in the last month and a half. They had an up and down season, they finished 5-4 and four. the last game. 42 to 6 road loss against number 10 iowa state so you got to take that with a grain of salt but meanwhile army is a well-oiled machine nine wins just won back-to-back huge games against rivals to claim the commander-in-chief trophy they seem to have a purpose they wanted this bowl game they were deserving of this bowl game and yet open up a six and a half point dog so although the black knights struggle on the road this is technically a mutual field And I like the Black Knights to be motivated to come out and win this game. They've played sooner. I think there's going to be a lot of rust on the Mountaineers. And six and a half points is just too much for this Army team. Though they're going to cover. They're going to cover the six and a half. I like Army to cover that six and a half. But let's go Army. Win a bowl game. Now I'm going to get you guys ready for my conversation with Benny Ricciardi. Benny, of course, always is here as a part of FTN Network and FTN Bets. We go through... We break down all these early lines on this week 17 slate of games. Again, we went up five units last week. Our teasers are always on point each of the last two weeks. We are crushing it not to gas us up. Zero losing records on this show since Benny has been on. You need to listen to what's going on with us. Last week of the regular season before the playoffs, this is where the stuff gets good. Where it matters most to teams, we're going to tell you what's important, what's not important, where to look what numbers to play and make you guys some money so without a further ado here he is Benny Ricciardi All right, so maybe not for the final time of the season, but definitely one of the last times potentially. At least, you know what, this is the last time for the regular season, I can definitely guarantee that. For the last week of the regular season, I welcome on Benny Ricciardi. Benny, thanks for being a part of this throughout the entire regular season. It's helped us. Um, Just to get you caught up before um, I let you jump in here, we killed it last week. Five units up, 9-4 and record. Um, As always, tell us how you did and tell us how you're doing.
1: Yeah, it was, it was a good week for me. I was pretty happy. Hit the two teasers I played. Um, hit the only straight bet I made. I um, hit on the Dallas Cowboys, which was nice. They were at plus money. Nobody nobody believed in them but me. And I can tell that uh, you and I are probably going to have this out over it today as well. Well, um,
0: no, but you made um, me believe in them. I don't know if you remember. That's a winner for us. You made me believe in them. I was like, yeah. I like the Eagles. And then you're like, you actually need Dallas to win. And I was like, wait okay, so we're on Dallas. And then we went to Dallas. It was biased for me, but it worked out. It wasn't biased for you. I'm glad I listened on that one.
1: Yeah. I mean, they were plus money. That was a good, that's always nice when you get the plus money ones home. I've actually been doing a lot of NBA stuff lately, as uh, as you know, because that's also my, uh, my first love basketball right there. So it's been a pretty busy time of year for me. I always hate when we have all these seasons overlapping because I basically do one sport at night and then another sport in the morning and, you know, it just it gets a little crazy. I like it when it's one thing at a time. You, all your, all, you can focus all your energy on one thing. It's so much better.
0: Yeah, so be sure. I mean, everyone needs to get caught up on that now if they haven't been yet. If they're still not following you at R 11 Tons of NBA stuff. I mean, that's a big-time uh, content maker over there in Benny. He loves that NBA stuff. And I definitely followed along. I mean, I, I watched that video Uh, yesterday and it was as simple as you retweeting and saying if you watched you made money it was it's just that
1: yesterday yeah we did we do I'm doing a prop video every day because people love prop bets, I like I I try to be a man for the people Steve if people want the prop bet stuff then that's the stuff that we're going to talk about and we're going to try to help them win and uh, I think we went six or seven yesterday and anybody who actually subscribed there was more there was a couple more that went in there we got we have a guy um Guy Kyle that works with us, Kyle Murray, is his projections are phenomenal. Um, yeah, like I'm, I'm excited to be working with this guy because he's really smart and really sharp with the way he puts it all together. So basically, what we've been doing is using, uh, you know, using Kyle's numbers and trying to leverage them on the betting side because he does it for the DFS side. But I mean, again, projections are projections. So if his projections are on point, then you know the numbers are going to be on point whether for daily fantasy or for sports betting. So there's there's ways we can leverage it to make money on both. So That's what we've been doing lately, and uh, so far, so good. It's been a good start to the season, so hopefully we can keep it going.
0: So, I haven't really touched NBA. I did bet the Nets on Christmas Day just because I had to bet something. I wasn't not going to bet the Nets, so I did bet the Nets on Christmas Day, but that was it. That was my lone little partaking in NBA action, mainly because I got to do one thing at a time, like you just said. Too much for me. It's overload. I told you I won my two fantasy championships Mm -hmm. last night, so I had championships to worry about. Yep. Big congrats. I, I I appreciate that. Didn't win the home league that has the most bragging rights, but I did win the leagues with the most money. So it's a give and take. It's a give and take. You, you want to show up your friends, but you also just want to have money in your pocket. So, you know, you can't have it all. Can't have your cake and eat it too. But to that point, Benny, we crushed it last week, but this week is about as crazy as it sounds. Is yeah. about as crazy as week 17 would be. Listen, you've been on this show talking to me about how I – If I was optimistic about the Giants before, it would come down to a weird scenario where they play Dallas for the league uh, for the division championship. And we're here. I mean, it's not outright, but it's pretty much there. And they're not the only team that's in just an absolute clusterfuck. There's a bunch of teams in the AFC at 10 and five. Uh, A team can go from winning the AFC South to missing the playoffs entirely. I mean, there is a lot of craziness going on. The Browns lost to the Jets. So now they might be out. There's a lot of extreme scenarios. And so a big thing we talked about last week is kind of who needs it more and who needs it yep. the most. Yep. This week's crazy because everyone needs it.
1: I think everyone, you know, everyone's trying to win. Well, the good, one of the good things is there's a lot more, there's a lot more games that matter this week than there normally is for a week 17. Normally a lot of this stuff is already taken care of. And a lot of these games don't matter, but we actually have quite a few games that we're going to talk about here in a little bit that have some playoff implications. So it's a little bit easier than it normally is on week 17. Cause again, here's the thing for a guy who who has a very like analytical approach, like the way I approach things. I want to be able to quantify things so that I can compare them. Like how good is this team? Well, we have 16 weeks of data that says how good this team is. The problem with week 17 is we don't have any data to tell you how good the Steelers backup offensive line and second string defense are going to be against the Cleveland Browns first team offense and first team defensive line and all that stuff we don't have any data that says well how good is this team when their starters only play two quarters you know what I mean or you know so there are certain games this week that I can't put a number on because in order for me to put a number on I'm relying on my model which relies on you know starters playing 60 minutes and and being out there for most, if not all, of the drives or playing 80% of the snaps or something like that. And this week, I don't know if all those guys are going to. And a couple of those games are ones that you're talking about here. Like, we have the AFC, there are five teams right now at 10 and 5 for four spots in the playoffs. And two of them are double-digit favorites. Two of the other ones are playing against teams that are already clinched their spot. And from what we're hearing today, might not even be, like, caring whether or not they win this game they might be resting starters and stuff like that so really I think the entire AFC picture comes down to one game it comes down to the Texans and the uh, the Titans because that's the only game where I honestly think both teams are going to be trying to win and have a chance to win like again I don't think the Texans are very good we've been betting against them all season anybody who's listening to me talk on your show knows that but that is like the only one where I see that there could possibly be an upset. I think all the other teams are going to win pretty easily.
0: 100%. Well, so that Titans game, it's funny because I I was waiting to get to it in the 4 o'clock games because that's a teaser play that jumps out to me just because of the number, but then I was going to mention how J.J. Watt gave this huge pep talk speech, and as much as they can't stop the run, it's what the Titans do really well, and they need to bounce back and try to fight to get in the division – it's not a guarantee, and there might be a better teaser play out there. So we'll wait to cross that bridge. We'll see if there's a better teaser play out there. Sunday, 1 p.m., I have one potential teaser play on here, and we could get to it right away. I don't know what to expect out of the Bucks, but last week I felt like I was underselling them. I didn't realize the entire Lions coaching staff was going to get COVID. <laughs> um, I, I made a comment that 9.5 seemed like a lot of points. That was false. It was obviously not enough points. So uh, I'd like to retract that statement. Again, we talk about it all the time. There's a lot that could go on from taping this on Tuesday until the games are played on Sunday. So bear with us. Bear with us. But let's get to that Bucks game. The Bucs are going to host the Falcons here. The Falcons are six-and-a-half-point road dogs, over-unders at 50-and-a-half, plus 240 on the money line for the Falcons. I feel like the Bucks are still trying. And I don't know if the Falcons are. Now, the thing with the Falcons is it could seem skewed because they competed pretty well against the Chiefs last week. But that's a game that we were looking out for because the Chiefs were 10-point favorites. And we had talked about the Chiefs all year, how you're not going to get a good line on him? They're the best team in football. But because of that, you're not going to be able to play against them against the spread. Mm-hmm. I knew the Chiefs were going to win. That was kind of a throwaway game. I didn't feel good about the 10 at all. We took, I took it as a loss. But it's insane that the Chiefs – can't cover anything. So I'm not really looking at the recent game by either side. The Bucks winning by 1,000 against a team without a coaching staff or the Falcons. Just objectively here, I like the idea of bringing the Bucks down to a pick em and just taking them to win at home for them to secure that spot in the playoffs. What are you thinking about this game? How do you want to approach it? And am I missing something on either side?
1: I, I mean, I don't really think you are. The, the number is Tampa Bay It's minus six right now.
0: Ben Online has it at six and a half.
1: All right. I was going to say it started at seven earlier in the week. And seven was the exact number that I have here. Here's the thing that makes me happy about this number though. And and why I would agree with you that teasing it down is probably the way we want to go here. So Tampa Bay is currently the number five seed in the NFC. And if they lose, they could drop down there. It depends on who wins and how that all works out. I think if the Rams have to win and, Excuse me, the Rams have to win, Tampa has to lose, and there's a chance they could drop to six. I also,
0: fair warning, I did not even put the Rams Cardinals game in. We can talk about it, but again, we didn't mention it. You want to talk about weird week 17 scenarios? Yep. Backup quarterbacks for for a playoff spot by two of the better teams in the nfc is insane and is something i did not see coming by any means but please
1: yeah but again i mean that just goes to the unpredictability of week 17 though like i can't model that i have no idea how that game is going to turn out with you know people that we've never seen on the center but um to get back to get back to this game with tampa bay so i know i know you're a Giants fan and i know you're going to argue over this but i think the the wild card game that you want if you're a team that didn't win your division is going to be the four, the four or five game where you're playing against whoever winds up coming out of the shit show. That is going to be the NFC East this week in order for Tampa to guarantee that they need to win. So I do think Tampa is going to go out there and try to win this football game. Excuse me, play their guys and just kind of go, you know, go down that path. So yeah, I think teasing them down to one is a really, a really good way to do it. I don't even mind taking the, Six and a half. Like I said, my number here is seven. Hmm. And I feel like they're going to be trying to win. And, man, Atlanta is just, like, all season long this team is disappointed. And, you know, the thing is, like, they've been in some close games. Some of them they were down big and then they came back late. Other ones they had a lead and they wound up blowing it. Like, this team is – they're one of the best 4-11 and teams in the league by, by all means. And I know that's counterintuitive to say, oh, they're 4-11. and How could they be? How could they be good? But, like, this is a team that has a lot of talent right here. So, I don't know. Um, but, again, Tampa Bay, they're clicking at the right time on offense. Yeah. The defense has been a little bit shaky in recent weeks compared to what they were earlier in the year. Um, again, not including the Detroit game, where they just blew them out. But, yeah, I like Tampa Bay. I would take the minus seven or the minus six and a half here, and I would tease it down to, uh, you know, below one. That's actually the way that I'm going about it.
0: Yeah. I like, I like the tease. I actually really like it. If it's under seven, the thing with the Falcons, their defense played really, really well last week. And that's something we've talked about since they made that change at head coach. And they have uh, Raheem Morris there. He's a defensive minded coach. He's really changed that defensive mentality and made him respectable. So that's always a wild card. And Tampa Bay, Tommy, he does, he does have some issues with turning the ball over this year. He does go cold sometimes. So it's sketchy, but I'll ride the Bucks as well. Also, to note on the NFC East, when the Giants win this week, and we'll get to that game right next, but when they win and Washington loses, and this is something we've been calling forever because Washington, and we, the Carolina last week was a money teaser play. I had the money line everywhere. I mean, I couldn't bet them enough last week. It's a big part of the reason I had such a good week, but we've kind of seen this demise of Carolina coming for a while, mainly because Washington. Askins was at – or. Of Washington, yes. Um, Mainly because Haskins is that quarterback. So this week might change some things, but I think the whole setup is weird. We'll get to that game, but let's get to the Giants because the Giants would rather no one than Tampa in that first round. A rematch at home in that two-point loss, they want that redemption, but they're going to have to get redemption against Dallas first. Dallas travels on the road to take on the Giants. The Giants are three-point dogs here, at bet, online, plus 135 on the money line. I love the three. Always love the three if we're just thinking sharply. Um, I'll take the money line to win outright because I've bet them enough. Might as well ride with my guys. Mind you too. I have not touched them the last two weeks and that should have been a clear indicator. We were going to lose. I said, I don't want to talk about this game, not betting the giants, probably the reason we've been winning. So if a losing week comes, it's because I'm touching the giants, but here's my thing with the G men, Daniel Jones looked a lot better last week and the giants had their most successful offensive day against Dallas. They put up 34 points. Now, I'm gonna take all that with a grain of salt because the Giants' offense is terrible, and they're probably gonna put up 24 points this week, and it'll still be a win for us. my My thinking in this game is simply that I'm betting quarterbacks. And as crazy as it is, and I know Andy Dalton is an above league average quarterback, and they're hot, and their defense is playing better. Give me Danny Dimes. I I, th- I think I like Danny Dimes over Dalton this week. I, I like their offensive law uh, a lot uh, in Dallas. CD's really turning a corner, but I think this Giants defense, after how terrible they've played the last two weeks, have a very formidable opponent here. They're at home. I'm betting on the D and I'm betting on Danny to uh, figure it out and guide this ship to a win. Where are you at on this game? I know the numbers might not tell us a lot, but is Dallas a better team than people are thinking right now?
1: Yes. Yes, Dallas is better. Um, they should be favored in this game. On a neutral field, it would be over a field goal. It would be like three and a half points. I think it's actually like 3.7 or oh, somewhere man. around there. Hammered. <laughs> um, yeah, with, with the Giants being home, you're, you're, getting, you're getting under a field goal is what it should be. So the three is probably a little bit too much. I would not bet – I would not take Dallas minus three. I don't, think that's, I don't think that's a really good number.
0: Last game was decided by a uh, game-ending field goal at the buzzer. Yeah,
1: and, and I do think it's going to be close. Like, that's the thing. I think this is going to be a close game. That comes down to the end. But ultimately, when you're breaking this game down, Steve, this is this is the thing I'm gonna ask you. And this is why I am on the Dow side of this game. Do you know who has the second fewest touchdowns scored in the league this year? I'll give I'm you surprised a surprise
0: we're not the most. I'd be surprised I'll, if we're not the most
1: I'll, I'll give you a hint. The bottom two teams in number of touchdowns scored – Are both in New York? (laughs) Both play within a couple miles of our house. Yes,
0: They all play in the same stadium, so – They
1: all play home games in the same stadium. The Jets are the second lowest touchdown scoring offense in the league this year. They had 23 on the season. The lowest is the Giants at 22.
0: You want to hear something even more depressing, Benny? Uh, Daniel Jones just threw his first touchdown pass in like four weeks, in like over a month. So if you're wondering what I watch every week, it's nothing. I don't see anything. I don't even watch football at this point.
1: <laughs> so Jarvis Landry and Danny Dimes have the same amount of touchdown passes in the month of December is what you're saying, basically.
0: Yeah, probably just as many pass attempts too at this point because the <laughs> they, they give Jarvis a pass. He, he would have had at least three against the Jets last week. They gave Baker like 50 passes last week. We're going to get to the Jets game. And I'm, I'm very happy the Jets won. <laughs> Let's finish the Giants. The Jets are our okay. next
1: game. So, I mean, here's basically what it comes down to me when you're analyzing this game, right, is you're right. If the Giants are going to win here, it's going to be a Herculean effort that comes from the defense. That's how they're going to win because the offense is not going to put up – I don't even think they put up 24 points. I would be – if the Giants get to 20, they should be happy that the offense got them to 20. So, really, it comes on the defense to try to hold Dallas – below 21, and I don't know if they can do that. I think, listen, is this the same Dallas offense that had the explosiveness with Dak Prescott? No, not even close. But this team can score. Like you mentioned that they have skilled position players. The wide receiver group is great. I just don't see – I think the Giants defense could play well in this game and keep Dallas to, like, 24 points. I just don't see the Giants scoring 24 points to beat them.
0: Listen, that's fair. I think it's completely fair. And me to say the Giants are going to score 24 points is blasphemy. But, hey, you know what? It's week 17, and there's going to be a lot of weird things happening. What's so they're
1: what's yeah, they're going yeah. to need it to win, but I don't know what's
0: if they, they got The D, and even with the Ravens game, they held it respectable. And I think it's crazy that 20 points is that number. I've known it for weeks now. The Giants hold the team, even the Browns game. It's like if they hold the team to 20, that's more, that's more than you could ask for especially with the amount of time of possession and sustained drives that the Giants put together. They could hold them to 20. You're asking for three touchdowns. 21 to 20 could win you most of these games for the Giants, and they can't do it. So it's crazy. But season on the line, the way these two played, I like the three the most. That's how we'll play this number on the show. But in real life, I'll bet the Giants' money line some places. Over-under is 44.5, though. Uh, We just talked about how terrible the Giants' offense is. But if they win 24-21, that over a hit. I'm staying away from the total, just bringing it to attention. If the Giants did hit 24 and held them to like 20-21, that's, that's the over. Let's move on to the Jets game. And, Benny, I already touched on it before we got on the air. But you know it's a weird week when my favorite games to bet early on are both the New York Dogs. And the Jets are going to end in a three-game winning streak. And, I, and I'm just cutting to the chase and telling you what my pick is. Once, once I felt it last week – in seeing the Browns being favored by 10. And then they got COVID and dropped to seven. It was crazy. I saw it all unfold. And I told you, I hadn't bet the Jets all year. Didn't touch them. Didn't even think about putting a little bit of money on the money line. Didn't touch. Raiders game, in game, I did bet them a little bit, but never. And I knew it off the jump. It was a weird game. Even before the COVID, I just felt like the Jets... Off that win, we're going to try to do something weird and win, and here we are. They're on a two-game winning streak, and they're on the road here against New England, the team that everyone all season long thought was going to spoil your number one overall pick, and now they're not going to spoil it, but I do think they're going to hand you another win because they're a bit in shambles right now. They got two quarterbacks. When you got two quarterbacks, you got none. I don't know if Cam's starting. I don't know if Stidham is starting, but... The Jets have a little mojo going right now. They won this week and didn't even have to score in their first possession, Benny. I I don't know what's going on with Gang Green right now, but they're taking flight and they're winning games. And where are you at on this? Do you like them this week? Are the Patriots dropping and the Jets rising? I know the Jets were the worst team on your rankings ever for a really long time. Is it possible that they climbed up
1: the hole a little bit? They're actually not. And right now, they're actually not. There are – the Jaguars have dropped below – the Jets right now is the not only the worst team in my ranking, but literally are one of those teams that are so bad that you also have to kind of use historical other bad teams in order to <laughs> put them in contact. Like that's, that's how bad they are, especially now with, you know, with James Robinson being out the last couple of weeks and, and how bad that, uh you know, the Jack. I'm just going to
0: Mike going. Lennon. They said no Gardner Minshew. We're taking no chances. Mike Lennon. <laughs> guide us
1: I mean, to know, if you think about it like you have Trevor Lawrence you have DJ Shark you have James Robinson that is the beginning of a very good offense like that they're going to have a very solid core of young players if they do the right things in the draft they put some good guys around them I mean that's a team that can make some noise so it is what they don't really have any big ticket items on that team so you know they're going to be able to spend money and do some stuff so that's the way to go but anyway let's talk about this game first here I don't I don't know like, honestly, my numbers are saying, even with the Jets playing well the last couple of weeks and the Patriots playing like shit, like, my number is still Patriots minus six here. I mean, I, am I going to take Patriots minus six? No. Would I even take that? Like, I don't even, you know, you mentioned, like, there are games you tease and there are games you don't. Like, I can't even tease this game to even because I, I don't feel comfortable with it. And this is what makes week 17 so crazy. It's like... Again, we don't know the motivation of these teams. And I'm not – when I say the motivation, what I'm, I don't mean that a team is going out there and losing on purpose. Like, that's not what happens. But if one team is motivated and, like, flying around and, like, really, really cares, and the other team doesn't care that much, it shows. And we've seen this happen time and time again. Neither one of these teams has anything to play for. The one thing that I heard today that made me happy, though – is that apparently it's already a done deal that Adam Gase is going to be fired at the end of the season if he's not already fired at some point this week. So that would be the one thing. It would be a Christmas miracle for We didn't talk
0: about that on the show. I don't know where you heard those rumblings, but
1: that would be... Well, Craig Craig Carton mentioned it um, on on WFAN today, and there was another one or two other people who were collaborating. And so it's been kind of flying around like... You know like you're in all the Giants uh, chat rooms and stuff oh, yeah. like oh, yeah. I'm in all the I'm in all the Jets ones so Maybe I get all whisper. the uh, you know I get I get all the uh, the Jets whispers right so you know that is the rumor that's flying around which honestly would be awesome for me I have hated Adam Gase I thought it was one of the worst signings in the world somebody got paid a million dollars to do the consulting that came up with a two person list for the Jets on who they should hire as their head coach and the two names were Mike McCarthy and Dallas and then when McCarthy signed with Dallas, they were like, well, the next name on the list is Adam Gase. Who the fuck got paid a million dollars to come up with those two names as possible head coaches? Oh, yeah.
0: Mike, Michael, Without a
1: million dollars. Hold on. Let me do this because I just yeah, got to do this. Yes, Without a yeah. million dollars, Woody Johnson, Chris Johnson, you fucking rich, stupid fucks that own my favorite football team. The man you need to sign is Eric Bienemy. Just go get him right now. Offer him, all the, offer him as many shares of Johnson & Johnson as you need to fucking offer the guy to get him to come over here. That is the solution to your problem. The solution to your problem is not to go recycle some shitty-ass coach that failed somewhere else and think that you're going to get a different result here. That is the definition of stupidity. We do it over and over again with the Jets. Do not make this mistake. Go out, sign an exciting, young, offensive-minded football coach, and let's get some decent football being played here because I am tired of watching the shit that has been thrown on the screen in green and white over the past couple of years. And this is coming from a lifelong jet fan of almost 40 years.
0: I absolutely love the enemy. And that's a guy I've been vouching for on this show, but in Mike McCarthy's defense, the person who got paid the million dollars to consult him was Jerry Jones himself. And what he did was he took the million dollars and threw them a big slumber party at his house. I don't know if you remember this, but in order to take the job, Mike McCarthy had a sleepover with Jerry Jones. So at least you know that your organization didn't hire a failing coach based on a terrible sleepover. And just imagine, just think about how little of fun you would have had Going over to the Joneses and eating some popcorn with Mike McCarthy and Jerry Jones having a fucking slumber party. No thank you. No thank you. Hold the butter. Blow up the popcorn somewhere else. Turn the micro. Unplug the microwave. Just turn it off. Unplug it. That's all I was going to say. There's no consulting going on in Dallas. We know who gets it. Jerry Jones puts all the consulting fees into his pockets and just bitches about it later. But I can't believe Dallas is still in this. I mean, I can because... This entire time, they had the back door open with the easiest schedule in the East. But, I mean, what the fuck? Back to the Jets' Pats pick. The over-under is 39.5. That is a disrespectful over-under total. Um, Like, disrespectful. That's very low. It's the lowest, I think, in Week 17. It may not be low enough. I get it. But you know something? The Jets are scoring points. Jameson Crowder had himself a week last week. So, the Patriots D, in all their glory, no Stefan Gilmore for the rest of the season. Yep. All their issues, it's a weird total. It's a really weird total for me. I was thinking of just jumping on the over because I don't think it would take that much. But you know what? Let me, let me get that as a pick. I'll take the over. Give me the over. Give me the Jets. I'll take the Jets with the three as well. And we'll What's go- the number? For what?
1: Three? The number on this game?
0: Yeah, so it's three as well.
1: Patriots all day.
0: Patriots all day?
1: Patriots all day.
0: Okay, so we take the over in the Patriots. And this is why I listen to Benny. So we're betting the home teams here. We're fading away from the away
1: teams, it seems here. Of course.
0: I like the Jets. I do. Uh, uh, we'll decide. I circled both. I did this last week. I did this last week.
1: Well, I'm, I'm just telling you, me personally, I'm not betting on the Jets. I'm, I'm taking the bet. I will say this, though. I, I will reserve the right to change my bet if Adam Gase is fired before Sunday. If Adam Gase is fired before Sunday, the team's going to rally, and they're going to wind up beating the Patriots by, like, Touch. I will take Jets. I will take Jets minus twenty-one if Adam Gase gets fired in the next three days. Wow! And they will cover it.
0: I thought the storyline would be they're going to win three in a row, and that's what solidifies it. Like they're like, "Oh, Adam Gase can't go anywhere." He ended on a three-game winning streak, or probably gets him his next job. Whatever it is, I just feel like the the, the storyline's going to read: Jets end the season on a high note. And it's like, did they did they end it on a high note? Are we sure? <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move on. And and a team that we were heavy on last week and surprised a lot of people. We were higher on the Panthers most of the season than most people, but they're going to host the Saints at home here. This is a very teasable game. This is so teasable, it's fuckable. It's a six and a half point spread here. The Saints are six and a half point favorites on the road against the Panthers. I just don't see how the Saints don't win this. Right. Plus 245 on the money line. Over under is 48. I want to bring this down to a pick'em and just take the Saints. I don't see how they don't win it. I know the Panthers showed out last week. I get all that. I, I, I like them. and We're higher on them than most. A Teddy revenge game. That's all great. I don't see it. I really don't see it. Kamara scored six, six touchdowns last week. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, I mean, that was absolutely insane. So, I don't know. They were at home. I, I get the Saints on the road. I don't love the six and a half because it might be close. But straight up, if I have to pick a team to win straight up, bring this down to a half point and give me the Saints all day.
1: So I think this spread should be minus 10. But again, I have been three points higher, basically, than the market on the Saints for about a month and a half. And we've cashed all but one week by being that way. So I'm not going to stop now. If this was like four or five, I would I would be worried because then I would have been like, all right, maybe some of these guys are sitting and that's why they're putting it lower. But like I said, I've been three points higher than the Saints. So the Saints at six and a half, my number being at minus 10, that's about three points higher, three and a half, like right in that range. So I'm still on the Saints side of this. I don't like, I don't like the six and a half, but I would actually lay it since it's under seven and my number is 10. So yeah. I have no problem taking or laying the six and a half. And if you want to use it as a teaser piece, I have no problem with that either. The Saints don't really have something to play for. They're basically just playing for seating. But I mean that is important too. It's not like that's that doesn't matter. Um, but they have already locked up the division, so I don't know. I mean, if we hear something about them sitting, guys, then I would obviously be off this. Well, what's
0: worst case? What's worst case scenario? It's Taysom Hill and Latavius Murray. I honestly still feel fully capable that I mean, let's let's face it. Taysom Hill and Latavius Murray can still sustain a winning production on offense for the Saints. I thought that's what a, that was my thought in my head. It's like if they sit sip- would-
1: Honestly, it would be less about the skill position players for me than if we hear, like, some of the first string defensive guys are going to get, like, less snaps or there's going to be, you know, like, they're going to be rotating more guys in and out to try to, you know, because they don't want to overwork guys. That would be a bigger negative to me than anything on the offensive side. Because, like you said, the backups that they have are still good. Like, Latavius Murray is a legit NFL running back, like. Taysom Hill is already, what, three and one or something on the season? And so, it's
0: not Hill, it's Winston, Who who is still better. Yeah, well, that's it. Even if they go
1: fourth, yeah, even if they go third string, you're still, you're looking at legitimate NFL caliber players that are there. So the defense being, you know, the defense being rested would be the bigger deal here for me than the offense. Because Carolina's offense is legit. They do have playmakers and guys with big playability and, you know, there were guys there
0: I'd be worried about watch Benny I I always find it interesting especially with there only being one bye week um with teams this year do you really want to sit players in week 17 you're gonna play the next week I I understand the rest but it's not like the Saints D was you know world beaters last week against the Vikings they really didn't play that well to begin with so like I feel like you have to be in a specific situation to really look at yourself in the mirror and be like, we can afford to sit players like the Packers are going to be playing and we're going to get to the Packers game. Yeah. Next. The Packers are playing their guys and they could they should have the one they'll probably have the one so it's like, I think it's especially this season. It's a rhythm thing. And I think yeah. you've seen this with so many teams. I don't know if this season is the year. Where teams can really afford, unless you're like the Chiefs, who already locked it up and they're
1: gonna. I was just gonna say that's the only team that really doesn't have to do anything. Everybody else is at least playing for seeding, if yeah. not for their playoff. Well, I mean, not everybody. I think the teams that are like playoff bound or have a chance, yeah, um, are at least playing for their seeding. Like the only team that really doesn't have to give a shit is uh is the Chiefs this week.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I just I think this year is a lot different than years past. Where I'm not sure. If I'm a team, I'm looking at myself saying I'm good enough to beat the Chiefs right now, that we can sit out games and sit out reps. And, you know, I understand it's the NFC, but there's a there's a minefield in the NFC to go through. There's a lot of weird matchups going to be early on, so that seeding matters, and those games matter. So even if the second team guys are in, I know the Saints are going to be playing to win. Let's go over to this Packers game. I think it's really interesting that you end on Bears-Packers in Chicago and the reason being my fondest memory of this matchup. Now, I don't know how dated this is, but I want to say it was either 2012 or 2013 Rogers against Jay Cutler in Chicago. Uh, Rogers was hurt and he threw a game winning touchdown pass to Jordy Nelson to rip the division away from the, the bears. And that's all I always think about. Even when the bears are supposed to be the Packers, the Packers still win. So I'm hesitant to bet the bears this week. And before I give my pick, I wanted to ask you, because this is a team we started out on. We were Bears fans. We rode them. We knew when to bet them and knew when to bet against them. So my question to you, now, mind you, I will lay this out for the people. The Bears win, and they're pretty much in. The Bears win, and and I think they have a really strong, like, 70 and above percent chance to get into the dance. There's a lot that needs to happen. These games are going to play out. But the Rams play the cards, so I'm pretty sure one of those teams will lose, and then they'll get in through it. So I think it might be over 70%. Point being, do you like the Bears this week? Do you think they have enough motivation to finally edge out the Packers here? Is this a week we bet them? Five and a half point dogs at home, plus 200 on the money line, over unders at 51 and a half. Is this the plus 200 at home? The home dog Bears? That's our, those are our guys. Are we there yet? Are we here for it?
1: Um, I am actually on board with this. And the numbers do not say I should be on board with this, but I am actually a little bit on board with this. Here's basically my whole thing, right? Is like, mm-hmm. I don't really think that Green Bay needs to win this game. I think that the Bears need to win this game. And this is what we were talking about before with the motivation. It's like, I'm not saying Green Bay is going to come out and lose, but Green Bay is not going to come out like hungry dogs like Chicago is. Every play in this game matters to Chicago. I just feel like Chicago has a chance to keep this game close to the end. Now they may still lose. They may still wind up losing, but five and a half is too many points here for me. So that's the way that I'm really looking at it. Um, I would not take Chicago money line though. I mean, I get it. Like maybe a little sprinkle, but I still think that there's a good chance that green Bay wins this game and knocks Chicago out. Because again, as long as Aaron Rodgers is in there, even if they're down at the end of the game, they could run a two-minute drill and wind up winning this game. So I do not have faith in taking the Bears outright. But I do think it's going to be close, and I do think that the Bears will cover the five-and-a-half.
0: I smell a missed field goal, or this game coming down to a field goal. The Bears are allergic to game-winning field goals, and I just feel like this is a game that they're going to need one, and they might lose by like a point or two. So I do like the five-and-a-half. I think I love every part of Week 17 looking at these matchups because they're all division games, all of them. Yeah. And they're all like, like – so the thing is, in those big wins for me, the thing uh, with fantasy, I justified Josh Allen and Diggs going off this week. Never hesitation because they were my guys. I was never going to take them out. But I was like, are they capable of putting up 20, 30 points in a game they didn't really need, really for seeding against the Patriots? I thought in my head – if you're the Bills and you've been beat up on the Patriot, by the Patriots year in, year out.
1: For two decades.
0: Yeah. You're going to come out and put about as many points as you can up. Now, to your point about the Packers, they're going to try to win, but they just beat a very good team in the Titans, a quality team. Could be a playoff team in the AFC, should be an a uh, playoff team. Blew the doors off them. I mean, the game was closed for a little bit. Blew the doors off them. So I don't think you need a statement winning the Bears at all. So I like the points. I think it's a lot of points. Do you see this maybe trending up more towards six or do you think it'll stay kind of where it's at?
1: So hold on a second here. The game is in Chicago, right?
0: It's in Chicago, yeah. So is the number where it should the be? The
1: number is six point nine minus one and a half. No, it's five and a half. Five and a half is where the is where my power my power ratings basically have this number based on, you know, based on the strength of team's wins this year and their winning margins and all that and everything else that goes into it. Okay, interesting.
0: Yeah, no, worth a question. Hey, that, that's what it's there for. You know, five and a half is a, a no man's land number, and we talk about that all the time. But, yeah, too close to really do anything else, but I'll take it in a game that should be close. Let's move on. And we talked about the Titans, and they just got throttled by the Packers. I do think that game could have been different if maybe they overturned that Aaron Jones run that he stepped out of bounds. But besides the fact, the Titans still can't stop anyone on defense. And they're going to go against a team who also can't stop anyone on defense, their own division rivals, the Titans against the Texans here, seven and a half point favorites are the Titans plus 280 on the money line for the Texans over under is at 56 and a half because of course, no one can stop anyone on defense. The Texans got an ass whooping in the post game by JJ Watt. I mean a swift ass whooping, like the type of ass whooping that like when you were a kid, your mom came home and like she came to hit you with the wooden spoon and then you were like ready for it, but she put the spoon away and decided to get like a belt instead or a shoe, and you're like, wait, I did not sign up for this shit. That's the ass-whooping <laughs> ass- I think J.J. Watt gave him because he came at people's jobs. I mean, you don't come at people's jobs for no reason. I mean, he was visibly upset about how the Texas organizations run, and I, and I don't blame him, and I think you see it with Watt and Watson. I think it's nuts that this is an organization that has – competed year in year out in that division won it have made it to the playoffs Have never done anything and now they can see no light at the end of the tunnel there's no future they don't have picks because Bill O'Brien fucked them I mean J.J. Watts on the tail end of his career Watson's in no man's land I mean they're in shambles and so I love the Titans this week I want to tease this down I hinted at it in the beginning but like I don't know what to expect in this the Texans are home. Like, is this a pride game? Again, I talked about the ass-whooping Watt gave him. Like, is that enough? Because they still can't stop the run? Who's going to stop Derrick Henry?
1: It was a great speech. It was a great awesome. speech. It was all – not going to lead to anything. I mean, the, the problem with <laughs> – it's, it's really not, and I hate to say it. Like, the problem with the Texans is not that they're not fired up and they don't want to win. The problem with the Texans is they don't have any talent. I yeah. mean, that's really what it comes down to right now yeah. is – There's not a lot of talent on the offensive line. There's not a lot of talent in the skill position. Well, I mean, Brandon Cooks was back last week, so that was better. But yeah, they've been playing, you know, shorthanded. They traded away DeAndre Hopkins. Like this offense is just not as explosive as it was. And then on the other side, the defense is nowhere near the defense when they were in their heyday and knocking on the door and making the playoffs and, you know, being the team that people kept picking year after year to unseat the Patriots, which they never really – Got over that hump and did, and then like you said, I, I love JJ Watt, but what I mean, what do you really expect out of him? It's not like he's been having an amazing year he either. Had a
0: great Thanksgiving, amazing yeah. Thanksgiving, great
1: yeah, good but, job, but yeah. that was it. But, yeah, I mean, listen, all year we've been saying the Texans are overrated. The public has been betting them. The sports books have been backing them and, and giving them better numbers than they should be getting. And that's why they have one of the worst against the spread records in the league this year. This is, this is an overrated team. It's been overrated on both sides of the ball since the beginning of the year. And the Titans, in my opinion, are one of the most disrespected teams. I agree. Their defense sucks. This game is going to be like 35, 28, but that offense is basically unstoppable. And they are going up against a defense that can't stop anybody. So you're putting one of the best offenses in the league against one of the worst defenses in the league the fuck do you think is going to happen? The Titans should score just about every time they have the ball. If not every possession, on more than 60 or 70% of their possessions. They should have no problem putting up 35 to 50 points in this game.
0: I'm going to bet, so my prop bet this week, I'm going to bet Derrick Henry two two touchdowns and three touchdowns. I am. And and you're probably not even going to get that great odds on it. You, You really aren't. But after the week he had last week, and he's been quiet for Derrick Henry to end his season. I know he's had some good games. He's been quiet. This is the game against one of the league's worst running off uh, defenses. He's going to explode. I haven't even seen his numbers the last time they played, but I think he's going to explode. I, he's so – what scared me, though, so this is why we're going to tease it down. You said 35-28. That does not cover the hook. It does not yeah, cover the seven and a half.
1: Seven and a half is a big number. That's, a, mm-hmm. that's the right number, though, because if it was seven yep. or if it was six and a half, everybody and their mother would be on the Titans right here. I got to be honest. I still don't mind laying the seven and a half. I think that the, I think the Titans just come straight in here. The Titans have to win. The Titans currently are ahead of the Indianapolis Colts. And in order for them to clinch the division and get a home game in the playoffs,
0: that's the, that's the
1: only division in the AFC that's still up for grabs and the Titans have to win to get it. And I, I do not see any reason why the Texans are going to stand in their way in doing so. They're going to come in focus. They're going to put up three or four touchdowns in the first half. You know what? If you don't like laying that seven and a half, the halftime number on this game is probably like minus four. There is legit no way that I see the Titans not having a lead here at halftime. So I like the halftime number and I like the full game number here.
0: If you want to talk about a sense of motivation too, you talk about the Colts creeping up their back. If you're wondering who the Colts are playing, they're playing the Jaguars. So the Colts are going to win this week. I don't even have their number. Yeah, the Colts are going to win this week. I think they're close to 14. The number should be. 14
1: already. and a half is the last I saw.
0: Yeah, so I, I don't even want to entertain it. But the point being, the Colts are going to win that game. And they're going to compete. And so the Titans can't afford to slip up at all. So okay. well, let's,
1: I mean, let's go through it real quick here. Like there's five teams in the AFC, right? You just mm-hmm. mentioned the Colts are a 14 and a half point favorite against um, the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. The Ravens are like an 11, 12, 13 point favorite, depending where you're looking. 13 on be line. Is it 13 against, against the Cincinnati Bengals? So those two games, a team that's like a 14-point favorite, with the exception of the Jets beating the Rams, that never happens. So those are basically locks. The other two teams that are 10-5 and five that aren't the Titans are the Miami Dolphins, who play the Buffalo Bills, and that game was taken off the board today, Steve. Whenever I see a game taken off the board, that usually means there's something going on. In the middle of the season, it usually means injuries. At the end of the season like this, it means there was some news that came out that the Bills are sitting some guys on their team, and that's why that got taken off the board because it's now going to come back up with, like, I don't know, Miami favored by three or something like that when it does come back on the board. And the other game is the Pittsburgh Steelers game against the Cleveland Browns, which we already know a bunch of their starters aren't going to play here because that game should be uh, the Steelers favored by, like, under a field goal, but, like, two or three points at, at Cleveland. And instead, it's Cleveland favored by, like, 10. Cleveland would be favored by 10 against the Steelers' backups, not against the Steelers' starters. Yeah. So, really, of the five teams that are there, this is why I said, that's the only game that kind of matters, in my opinion. Because the Texans have the best chance, to me at least, of the teams that aren't going to make the playoffs to upset a potential playoff team. And if Buffalo is not going to try to win and Seattle is not going to try to win, I'm Seattle, and the Steelers are not going to try to win this week, then those are basically walkovers for Miami and Cleveland. And then the other two games are double digit spreads. So Indianapolis could win this game this week, end up 11 and four, and end up 11 and five and miss the playoffs, which would be crazy.
0: Nuts. And adding to that, I think it's so interesting that the Steelers are waving the white flag because I have futures on the Bills and the Steelers. And I think a big thing to watch the entire season was that Steelers Bills game. And the Bills owned them last year. The Bills owned them again. And the Steelers are just conceding that seeding. I mean, it's set up to that they're going to have to go to Buffalo and have to deal with that. And them not competing and hoping that – like, I think Buffalo's line gets taken down because they heard the Steelers are going to sit everyone and probably lose, so they don't need to win. They have the tiebreaker, which is a big part of it.
1: Exactly why, yeah.
0: That's crazy for me in terms of the playoffs. Because, again, like I said, unless – Here's the issue with me. Again, if you're not the Chiefs, you should want as close to home field throughout the entire dance as possible. Absolutely. Especially if you're a team like the Steelers. So I think it's wild. In a division, you can spoil the Browns who you might see in the first round. Interesting play.
1: There's um, the other – the counter argument to what you just said, though, is because there are no fans in the stands – Home field advantage, and we've we've talked about this numerically, too. Like, that's why we're not giving as many points as we normally do for home field. Home field advantage is smaller this year than in any year in the NFL because there are no fans there. So normally it makes it tougher for teams to audible on offense when they're down in the other team's red zone when you're an away team. But this year there are not enough people for you not to be able to hear. I mean, even listen to the broadcast. When we're listening to broadcast. You can literally hear the quarterback calling things out, which honestly for a football nerd, like I love that shit. Like that's awesome this year that you never, you never had that in years past. You hear everything down there, Um, which is pretty cool. But at the same point in time, it's also why this year, a lot of teams are saying home field doesn't matter as much. I still got to be honest. I would rather sleep in my own bed in my house than in a bed at a hotel somewhere and then go play in a game. So I still think there is a small advantage, which is why I use it in my numbers um, for being home and and playing and having home field advantage. But yeah, that's why the Buffalo game got taken down. You mentioned it when the Steelers decided that they are going to sit some of their starters. Basically, the books just assumed, or I guess maybe something was said in Buffalo that I didn't hear that Buffalo is going to do the same thing, or maybe it's just a chance goes up that in the middle of the game you're going to look up at the scoreboard and be like, oh, the Cleveland Browns are up twenty-one nothing on the Steelers at halftime, so, you know, we could sit Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs and, you know, our starting defense in the second half and just kind of cruise here because whether or not we lose doesn't really matter. So I guess that all kind of plays into it, but makes it tough to bet on those games.
0: Yeah, I think it'll be more that – because I don't think there's any chance Josh Allen isn't starting on Sunday. And I think with the season he's having, like, Rodgers is starting. Like, again, maybe Mahomes isn't. But those MVP candidates – And Josh Allen, the people's MVP, he – I compared Josh Allen to UCF when they got snubbed out of the college football playoff and everyone called them the national champions, the people's national Champion. I don't think Josh Allen's going to get enough credit when this is all said and done. And maybe he doesn't finish his career as luxurious as Jim Kelly's and every other Bill's court. Like, this is a season I'm not going to forget. Not just because he won me a fantasy championship, but there's still doubters and haters on Josh Allen. I mean, I really looked at those numbers last night on Monday Night Football. I was really astonished. Last two seasons, he's been terrible at completion percentage. Like, the worst. And he's made made incredible strides. And credit to the Bills for getting digs in there, because I'm sure... I was
1: about to say that. Yeah. I mean, I, here, here's, the, here's the thing I say to everybody out there. Like, okay, last year, John Brown was their leading receiver, right? Okay? Name the Buffalo Bills wide receiver duo from 2018.
0: <laughs> yeah, Well, John
1: Brown. Named the number two two wide receiver last year next to John Brown.
0: How long ago was Fred Jackson on the team?
1: (laughs) It wasn't that long ago. It was like two, three years ago. And, And this is what I'm saying. It's like, you know, people are like, oh man, like Josh Allen sucks. It's like Josh Allen was throwing to guys that were undrafted free agents, Josh Allen was throwing to guys who you don't even know. You can't even remember their names a year later. Josh Allen had such a good season this year that Josh Allen will never pay for a beer in Buffalo. And I don't know if he's married or not, but if he ever needs a blow job, there's at least one person in Bill's mafia that's, that's ready to do it for him right there. So Josh Allen is officially a legend in Buffalo for uh, bringing the winning ways back. Buffalo hasn't won a division in a really long time. Yeah. And basically nobody but the Patriots has won this division in a really long time. So this is a really big deal. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I expect to see him out there. And this game's in Buffalo, right? I
0: believe so. I, I'd have to double What's check.
1: I have to double check. I don't remember if I have it written down here. I'll tell you, um, I'll tell you right now.
0: But it if it is in Buffalo,
1: yep. Yeah, if it's in Buffalo, there's no chance that these guys don't play at least at least a quarter or a half right now. Even if they do wind up sitting in the second half, yeah, this is like their this is like their victory lap. You know what I mean? So they'll be out there.
0: And so, my suggestion was, I think what they need to do is, like, create his own trophy. Like, even for the UCF season, I think they deserve their own trophy or their own banner. Just get Josh Allen a gold-plated table
1: trophy, like oh, a broken table. I like that, the gold-plated table. Like a gold-plated
0: that. table. Just give it to him at the award ceremony, the NFL awards, make a whole thing about it. Because I think it's kind of unjust, too, that it's just going to Mahomes or Rodgers, and they've had great seasons. They have phenomenal seasons great quarterbacks you'd want them at any point on any team on any given day but there's always the unsung guy you know that never gets enough love the Todd Gurley's of the world when Todd Gurley had a great season like people aren't going to remember Todd Gurley for almost like for being the closest running back to win MVP in a really long time and like the Bills like you said I don't think they made the playoffs for like two decades up until three years ago with Tyrod Taylor or four years ago and now they're changing the guard and the guard is fully changed and Again, it was Diggs, but, I mean, Josh they, Allen. They are,
1: man. they are heading into the playoffs as the hottest team in the AFC right now.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Like I, I'm, I would be absolutely petrified of playing the Buffalo Bills right now. I would actually be like, oh, the Steelers are on my schedule? Good. I avoided Buffalo. That, that, would be what, that would be the way I'm thinking if I'm the, you know, the six or seven seeds down there.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I think the biggest thing with the Bills, too, and the reason why the Steelers can't match up with them, their biggest weakness is you have to run the ball. And I think that'll be a problem with the Chiefs too. If you want to sling it and you want to run and gun, they got a team that can do that. And it'll come down to the wire. It's probably not the most ideal way. But if you want to control and beat the Bills, just run the shit out of the ball. But yeah. teams don't do that. And I think it's no. because a lot of them don't have the luxury to do it right now. Chiefs don't have Clyde. They don't really have a running game. Steelers don't got that. I mean, the Titans probably, but they're not going to see them they're not going to see them until the AFC championship probably. So they have a really good path.
1: They have I don't a really think they're going to see them at all, but, yeah, that oh, would yeah. be what well, they'd yeah. say. Right? Yeah, well, because they'd
0: be the four seed. Yeah, yeah, yeah 100%. hundred um, percent. Well, we saw what they did last year. We saw what the Titans did to the Ravens. Yeah, it's, it's possible. Definitely not a team you want to see in the postseason. Let's get to the APM games, and then we'll throw in some honorable mentions. We touched on the other numbers, but there are some other interesting games out there. This is the game. I think it's so awkward. That they decided to flex this game this Sunday night because of how it's set up. They should really just have this game played at 1 p.m. But you have the Washington football team at minus two at Philadelphia. Philadelphia is plus 110 on the money line. Over/under is 43 and a half. Bias aside, I think Philly's gonna win. Bias aside, but bi- bias aside, Philly's gonna win. Who is playing quarterback for the for for the football team? And if it's Alex Smith. That's fine, but his injury and it's just been too sketchy for me. All of it's been too sketchy, and the fact that he's just ready to go now, I, I don't think he's fully ready to go. They rush Antonio Gibson back as well. I love their D. I do. I love their D. Hertz can make some plays. He had a, he had a weird game last week against Dallas, but he was balling for a strong part there. He was balling. Philly at home. I like, them. I like them to win, man. I, I really like Philly to win. I'll take them on the money line. The two is a number we don't normally play. It's in the middle. Here's my, here, here's my other point to you. What are your thoughts on bringing this up to eight, like we did with the Panthers last week? What are your thoughts of teasing this up to eight? Because you think this is going to be at least close, if not Philly's going to win outright, no? No,
1: not even. No, no. Really? Washington wins this game easy.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah, and here's, the, here's basically the caveat I'm going to throw in here.
0: Let's hear it.
1: Everything I'm reading today says Alex Smith plays. When Alex Smith is the quarterback of the Washington Redskins, they are averaging 28 points per game. When Alex Smith is not the quarterback of the Washington Redskins, they're averaging 18 points a game. Football I don't care how good your defense is. As we talked about with the Giants, you cannot win football games when you're scoring 18 points. You can't. You're, you might win one or two here or there, but even good defenses are going to give up more than 18 points. But good defenses aren't giving up 28. So if Alex Smith is playing here, it opens up the passing game for them. Having a passing attack opens up the running lanes for Antonio Gibson, who's expected to be back. That's really the way that I'm looking at this game right now, is that if Alex Smith plays, I would have the Redskins should be favored by about two points here, maybe even three. Mm -hmm. If Alex Smith does not play, then you're talking about because you just got rid of Dwayne Haskins, so you're talking about Taylor Heineken going out there and uh,
0: – I like Heineken. I like that as a last name. That's good. Yeah.
1: I know that's not his actual <laughs> no, last no, name. No, no, no. I like it, though. That's how I remember it, though. That's I'm how gonna, I remember I'm
0: going to call him that from now on. Something like
1: that, right? i something like – it's something along those lines.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah we definitely call him Heineken.
1: That is not a guy you want money on. So definitely if not. he is their quarterback, by all means, I'm on board with you. Take the Eagles, put the money on the Eagles side, go that route. But I think we're all forgetting something – which you Giant fans should not forget because you say it all the time. The Eagles fucking suck. The Eagles are not good. I tried to explain this to you last week with the Dallas game, and you didn't listen to me.
0: Well, I know I did listen. It took me a while, though.
1: I had to, to, like, I had to coax it out of you. The Eagles are a team that, for some reason, people have this thought in their head that the Eagles are really good. The Eagles' defensive line is solid. Their secondary sucks. Terrible. The Eagles' offensive line this year, which used to be one of the big strengths for them, is atrocious. So with the offensive line being atrocious, the running game hasn't really gotten going other than Miles Sanders breaking a long 50-yard run every once in a while. Like, if you look at their games and you back out the 50-yard Miles Sanders run, because he's a legit stud whether people let know it or not, you back out those big plays that he has – it's like 2.7 yards a carrier. Something really, really like oh my God, is horrendously God. bad there on the ground. There are
0: people them. out there, though, that are like, you can't discard those, though. The, the fact that you're saying, like, it
1: happened. It happened. No, 100, 100, 100, 100. I agree. But, like, I get it, that. It I happened. That, but, but here's – there are – see, the thing is, and this is the thing in, like, in like, what analytics and data and everything that you're doing, there's always going to be outliers. There's always going to be that broken for 60-yard run. But you want to know what happens most of the time. Most of the time means in an average drive, if they have three downs to pick up 10 yards and they're only getting two runs for two yards each time, they're in third and sixes. And third and sixes are not easy to convert in the NFL, especially when you're playing against a pretty solid defense. So really that's what this all comes down to to me, is that that's really the difference, is is the way that things are going to go there, is that the Eagles this year – are just not good. And, like, people just keep thinking, like, oh, the Eagles are going to beat the Redskins because the Redskins are playing without their quarterback. How many times do I have to say this? Haskins was a downgrade. I know he was their starter, but Haskins out and Alex Smith in makes their, their numbers go up in the power rating. They're better with Alex Smith as quarterback. Alex Smith doesn't make the mistakes that they do, and turnovers are a big thing that kills winning football. And when you have a good defense and you have a guy like Alex Smith who has the quote-unquote game manager tag, yeah, he's a game manager. That means he is not going to be the reason why you're fucking losing. The reason they cut Dwayne Haskins is Dwayne Haskins is literally the reason why you're losing football games with the bad decisions and the stupid stuff that he does. If Alex Smith just stays out of bad situations, which is what he's good at doing, the defense is going to be able to help them win this football game. So to me, I love the Redskins side with the caveat that Alex Smith is the quarterback. If Taylor Heineken is the quarterback, you bet on the Eagles. But for me, everything I'm reading says it's going to be Alex Smith. I I know you don't like to hear this because it means the Giants season would be done, but this is why they flex that game to 8 o'clock because the Giants and Cowboys get to duke it out early. And since it doesn't really matter, the Redskins – doesn't really matter which one of those two teams wins. If the Redskins lose, they lose to either one of those teams. Yeah. It was a smart move by the NFL to do this because, to because you you're a Giants fan. You're telling me if the Giants don't win in the afternoon, that you and every other Giants fan in the fucking country isn't going to be glued to the 8 o'clock game to see what happens with the Redskins. Um, I keep calling them the Redskins. The Washington football team.
0: I tried to interject and to tell you that they were the football team a while ago, but I kind of liked it because yeah. you just kept calling them the Redskins. I, 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 call, call, I fuck
1: that shit. Because you know team.
0: something? I'm, I'm a firm believer of just Washington's always due for some karma. And, and like, the, the Redskins name is just the more we say it, the more the bad juju comes to them. Here, I want to do a few things. Shout out to the Eagles for uh, finally getting an interception from Darius Slay. First of the season last week. Shout outs to Darius Slay, you bum. All right. Next one was that uh, I just mentioned the the Smith injury. I don't know if they're geniuses then or they're just being sketchy. But there wasn't enough about it. It didn't seem too serious at the time that he got hurt in Arizona, and they held him out. Are they smarter than the Giants? Because the Giants should have done that with DJ and had him ready for some bigger games and just swept it under the rug and just have him play the games that matter. I don't know. I, I really don't know. I don't know how steady Smith is yet. So I think that's what I'm hesitant on. I picked this game off bias last week while betting, you know, I thought Philly would win and I took Dallas. Dallas was the home dog. I'm just going to take it just cause and and take that pick. Um, But I think you're right. You know, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. You know what? I'm allowed to be wrong. And if this causes a losing record for the only time, mind you many, I tell the people every week, 17 weeks in the NFL season, 17 now one losing record on this show. Let's get this money. We'll continue to make it, but if this causes it, I'm okay with it. I understand. We have more games to pick anyways, but I got a roof from. I got a roof from. Oh,
1: 100%. I mean, listen, if I'm a Giants fan, I am absolutely an Eagles fan this week for the first time in my life too.
0: I just know it's going to be so 2020 as at least for a Giant fan, till we win, we have the chance. And then Washington's going to win. And it all, goes, all means nothing.
1: <laughs> not if it means anything at Trevor all. I would like going 0-13 and, and not ending up with Trevor Lawrence.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It would be the most New York way to end the year. So I see that happening. I see the misery happening. But I can't avoid it. So I might as well lean into it. I, there's nothing else I could do here. I got I to gotta bet the scenario. I, that's what the world
1: hey, is. Remember last week we talked about the Jets fans hedge with the, uh, with the, the Bears. Chicago Bears that's and all that? Crazy.
0: Cash like crazy.
1: You got the the Giants fan hedge this week. You can bet on the Washington Redskins because if the Redskins win, you're going to be happy you got some money in your pocket. And if they lose, you're not even going to be mad you lost because the Giants are going to the playoffs.
0: Dude, I'm doing a full Giants hedge. I'm taking the Cowboys and I'm taking Washington. I'm writing it down. This will be a side bet. Listen, I don't support betting both sides, but sometimes you have to. When life hands you lemons – and those lemons are going to be sour either way you cut them. All right, so
1: listen, if you're, to, if you're going to do this, can I, can I at least interject with a little yep. bit of a like gambling, gambling strategy here?
0: Break it down. Break it down. All right,
1: if you're going to hedge against the Giants not making the playoffs, start with the bet on Dallas. Because so, if you bet on Dallas and Dallas wins, then the Giants are out already, and you don't have to be stuck with the Washington bet whether or not you wanted it. If, the, if you lose the first bet, you should definitely double down. On the Redskins now, because then you'll win your money back, plus whatever the money that you would have won in the first bet. Now, do I ever normally say doubling down and chasing money? That is the worst fucking idea ever in gambling. But in this case, for your sanity, as a hedge against the Giants not making the playoffs, I will allow it to happen, because I do think it is something that All
0: I need to do to justify it, we got one regular season week left. I have enough in the bankroll right now to enjoy the playoffs, but let's have some fun. We got some week 17 craziness. This is why we play the game. This is why we watch the games. Enjoy it. You made some Hello, money along market. the way.
1: See what happens. Let, it, let <laughs> it run.
0: Listen, it's called gambling for a reason. We want to be sharp on this show, but sometimes you got to go with the gut. Let's move past this 8 p.m. game. And I got some honorable mentions on here. We touched on the Steelers-Browns game, and I've been waiting to mention this because I feel really shitty about it, and I feel like a dummy. I bet the Steelers plus seven last night ridiculously obnoxiously for no reason. I just threw them in there because I'm like, why are the Steelers seven-point dogs? And I did no research, just put a little parlay out there. It's, it was minuscule. But the point is, a part of me thought the Steelers might be a good play this week. And I don't think they are. <laughs> I, re- I really don't think they are anymore. Um, but how do you play this? Because I looked at the Browns' number last week when they were double-digit favorites against the Jets, and I just thought that was way too much. We were on here. We were talking it out. And I'm like, I really like the Browns. I really like the Browns. Tens a lot. That's aggressive. Let's take the Jets. I think Ten's aggressive. I, I Division game, I know it's Mason Rudolph. It's just a lot of points, though. No? I, I mean, a divisional game, I know the Browns got to win it, and they're home. But whenever the Browns are favorited, we stop and ask ourselves, how and why? <laughs> what is going on? And, and Mason Rudolph, rivalry game against Miles Garrett, there was a lot of there's a lot going on last time these two faced off. So <laughs> true.
1: that you is know. true.
0: The under is mean, 42. Look, the under is 42. That's the other part of it. They're projecting a low scoring game. So does the 10 make sense? I know it's backups, but th- that's a lot of points for it. A- th-
1: this is what I said to you about this week. It's like, you're asking me normally when I come on here and I give you numbers, these are, quantitative numbers that are backed up by the data that we have accumulated throughout the season and adjusted for opponents to give us a baseline. Basically what all that means is we rank the teams based on what they've actually done on the football field. And the more that they actually do, the more plays they run, the more teams they play against, the more different opponents they have, the more data we have to make these kind of statements about how good a team is or how bad a team is. And give them a power rating. I can't I can't rate a backup quarterback with some of the starters and some of the backups. And I I don't know how to do that. And it's not that I don't know how to do that, it's that it's physically impossible to do that. Because if the whole idea of being quantitative in your approach is to use actual numbers, how do you use actual numbers when there are no actual numbers? I mean, you can go back and look at last year and try to get something from that, but when Mason Rudolph was the quarterback last year, he wasn't good. So you would expect it to be worse than it should be, which is exactly what we see at minus 10. Like, yes, it's a lot of points. The good thing about my approach to gambling is I don't have to bet on every game. So if there's a game that I just don't have the data to make a you know, calculated guess on, I just skip it. Now, for the sake of this show, I would probably go to Cleveland Browns because the Browns need to win. Although, listen, we've talked about the Browns all year. What has been the Browns thing all year? They win a lot of games by, like, four, three, seven, like a touchdown or less. The Browns as 10-point favorites, I don't really like that. But if you told me the Browns were a 10-point favorite against a bunch of backups and practice squad players and they were playing their first team, how I would take the Jaguars' first team against a team of backup players. Yeah. that's how, That's the difference in the talent level there. So – I don't think the number's crazy. I'm on the Browns side because I expect the Browns to win. Whether or not they win by 10, I don't know. But it's not like it's Ben Roethlisberger leading the two-minute drill for the backdoor cover. It's Mason Rudolph leading the two-minute drill for the backdoor cover against the Browns' starting defense, basically. So, to me, I I don't mind laying the points there because I just really have no faith in him. Plus, at some point this game, I expect Miles Garrett to pile-drive him through the turf. And, and basically break every bone in his body and he's going to deserve it. So, as yeah. long
0: as there's no court cases after the fact with a lot of he said, she said stuff going on about racial slurs. We don't need any of that, Miles. It's been a long year. Let's keep those, let's keep our vernacular to a point. Here's my thing with the Browns. And I mentioned it before. They lost all their receivers last week. All of them. Every single one of them. And Marvin Hall,
1: Marvin Hall played, even though he wasn't. really Marvin big. Hall and Austin Hooper, right. Yes.
0: And they decided to throw the ball 50-plus times and handed the ball off maybe 15. Why? And I don't know. I think what I'm more worried about, and I think what's sketching me, because I'm definitely betting against the Browns in the first round, whoever they play. I think they're starting to be the Browns. I think they're going to implode. And I think that's what I'm worried about the most in this matchup with the 10. I'll stay away from this game for the sake of the show, just because I think it's a lot next to the total, is I'll take the Steelers plus the 10. The Browns are being the Browns. They lost to the Jets, and I understand the Jets could stop the run fine, you know, better than most, but to not even try it. And, I mean, you were down at most, what, 17? You have Hunt and Chubb. It didn't make sense to me. After they put together the game they did against the Giants, to go out and do that against the Jets, very weird. Very Browns-esque. I don't like it. I think I'm going back to my old ways of betting against the Browns, so I think I'm going to do that for the sake of the show. And, again, we're trying to get to 100 wins here. We're really close. I think we're at 94. Let's get to 100. Hey, Benny, by the way, 63% on the season. 63%. Not too bad. Slightly above average. Slightly above
1: average. That's, 63% is very good. That's, that's very, very good. We're happy about it.
0: The people on the show are happy. We're happy. No losing weeks. You think we'd be pretty good. I got another game here. <laughs> I don't know the <laughs> – there's no over-under total. But BetOnline has this number out there, so I'm curious on your take here. This is a game that means nothing to no one at all, but it's going to be played. The Minnesota Vikings are on the road. They're six-and-a-half-point favorites against the Detroit Lions. I mean, I want to throw up thinking about this. I don't think Stafford's playing. Everyone on Detroit has COVID. Do the Vikings even care? You got Kirk Cousins there. There's no total, and I want to bet the under, regardless of the number. I, I don't know what to think of this game. I, I want to get all the Week 17 games in there because it's just going to be a mass amounts of 1 and 4 p.m. games. So this is just one of those in-betweeners that I don't have a say. I, I want to put money on the Vikings here to win by at least a touchdown, but that's mainly because I don't think Stafford's going to play. Do you have a say in this at all? Do, do, you, do you even care?
1: Do I care? No. But if you want (laughs) my opinion on it, I'll give it to you. I think Minnesota absolutely rolls them. But here's the better way to play this game if you're interested. The only thing that really matters right now for Minnesota to their season is helping Jefferson get the rookie of the year. Mm. He's going to get fed this week. So whatever his receiving prop is, I want the over. Whatever his receptions are, I want the over. Take him for first touchdown. Take him for any time touchdown. Take him for two touchdowns they are going to feed him to pad his numbers to try to get him the rookie of the year because you would have thought it was going to Burrow, and then he fell by the wayside. You would have thought it was going to Herbert next, but the last couple weeks, he hasn't been the guy that was slinging four touchdowns a week when he first came onto the scene. And then Tua started making a little bit of noise, and then he got benched last week. So you look at the quarterbacks who, who normally wins this award, I don't really think we have one this year. Who's the top running back? I mean, DeAndre Swift didn't even play until a couple weeks ago. So there are a couple, like you know, James Robinson, undrafted rookie. He was good. Jonathan
0: Taylor's come on late, but
1: he didn't. Yeah, he had a bad start to the year. So I really, honestly think that Jefferson has a chance, and putting a cherry on top of it would just kind of like solidify his chance of putting. He has, I think, he has the best rookie year for a Minnesota wide receiver. Since some guy named Randy Moss, yeah, and well, that, guy was straight, that guy was straight cash, homie, for a while back there. So you know, I mean, this kid is legit. I would not doubt that they try to pad his stats this week. So I want every single over that Jefferson is involved in this week. I think they're going to feed him. And again, that um, Detroit secondary has been a fucking joke this year, and they're banged up on top of being a joke this year. Like Blaine
0: Gabbert so went off defense. last week against them. Blaine, Blaine, Blaine. Gabbert. <laughs>
1: He threw, what did he throw, three touchdowns? or Was it two touchdowns? It was enough. It was rest, enough for me to see. The defense rests. I rest my case.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, see, this is why I asked the questions and asked these matchups. I like it, and we're back on the away teams, too, so that's good. Everything's right. Everything's all right here. So, now, here's another game I wanted to take on in an opinion because I thought maybe just to tease this down for my own sanity, but it still doesn't get me to a number I love. Now, I know they need to win this, and they're going to win this, but it's a weird game, division game. The Ravens, 13-point favorites. This is a game we talked about. The Ravens got to win. They're supposed to win. It's under 14, which is great. Thoughts on bringing it down to seven? Is there any other way you like to play it? I know you said there's other numbers out there, so if you get it under seven, is that a smarter play? What do you think of this game? It's it's weird. The Bengals are playing better right
1: now. Yeah, I I, – I got to be honest, the Bengals scare me more than, like, yeah. the Jags or even the Texans do. Like, they, they really mm-hmm. do. And not to win. I don't mean it that way.
0: Mm-hmm. But, but like, it means a lot. Like,
1: yeah, to, to cover, like, I'm a, little, I'm a little nervous about that. So I would feel better if you can find the 12 and a half and get it below seven. Um, but even teasing it down to seven, here's what I'll say if you want to tease it down to seven. Check the rules of whatever book you're on. Because if you're on one of the offshore books and you're teasing it down to seven, you might lose that bet. That might be the way that they pay it out that if you push, you can't push a teaser. If you're playing on some of the online regulated books in, in you know the States at this point, some of them push it and just make it a straight bet if you, if you lose that side of it. So it would just be like you won a straight bet. So you get you'll win some money, but you get paid off as if you took the alternate line of... Like if the, if the other game you took was seven and a half and you got it down to one and a half, you would get paid whatever the alternate line is, which is usually like, I don't know, like minus two something, minus 240, minus 250, whatever that is. So that, that would be the only thing I'd say is if you're going to seven, make sure whatever book you're playing on will count a push on a teaser as a push and not a loss because otherwise the numbers are way out of whack when you try to figure out whether or not it makes sense to do that. Um, very often, it would not make sense to do that if that's counted as a loss.
0: It's really interesting. No, I like that. I like that thought. I might just make it six and a half. Make it a six and a half point teaser and bring it down. That's what DraftKings offers. I had to ask. You wonder what's crazy? Oh, wait, if- wait, hold on. Can
1: we talk about something? Here's something out here. I want. I really want to talk yep. about. Don't ever fucking play teasers on DraftKings. Okay, Okay. so I'll just throw this out there real quick. And oh, I love you didn't guys,
0: mention this earlier this year. You, yeah,
1: you know? I love the guys at DraftKings, and I've actually even mentioned it to them that I think it's bullshit what they do. But basically what they do is they, they – all teasers at DraftKings are basically parlays of their alternate line number. Um, so, for example, just to give you an example of, of what I'm talking about here. Let's say you have two teams at seven and a half, right? And you, you parlay them, or you tease them at DraftKings. So you take the seven and a halves down to one and a halves. Your payout is probably going to be like minus 135, minus 140. Now, back in the day, these teasers used to pay out like minus 110. Offshores, minus 110 or something like that is what you get. The best numbers I see on the online books in New Jersey or in America, basically, are like minus 120. Without like some kind of crazy odds boost, like you you normally never get anything better than minus one twenty, and I give I give a lot of props to Fanduel, which is where a lot of my teaser action goes. Fanduel basically has everything at minus one twenty. So here's the other little trick here for you, right? At minus one ten, minus one ten, you should be getting a minus one twenty, right? On Fanduel though. You know how we talk about sometimes the numbers like minus 5, minus 115 or something like that? Yeah, yeah. On DraftKings, if a number is minus 115 and you tease two minus 115 numbers, you're going to get a number that's even worse than like the 130 or 140 we were talking about. Like you could tease two two numbers that are like minus 7.5, minus 7.5, minus 115, and on DraftKings it might pay out like minus 145. Whereas on FanDuel, if you tease those same two numbers, even at minus one fifteen, minus one fifteen, they still give you that straight minus one twenty on the teaser. So FanDuel has won a lot of my onshore um, you know, teaser business. But then again, if you have access to a bet online like our sponsor here on this show, that's still the best places to play teasers are in the offshores because you get even better odds than a minus 120 you get at the, uh, the regulated books in the States.
0: This is the advice Benny comes on here for. I like that. I like that a lot. I have been playing um, DraftKings teasers as of late, but I haven't run into any minus 115. So I definitely want to keep an eye out for that. And I will gladly use our fellows over at. So Steve,
1: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give your listeners a homework assignment here real quick. Yeah. If you guys like those six and a half and seven point numbers that Steve and I were talking about here on the show, and you want to play them on DraftKings, put it in as a teaser, but don't, don't bet on it. Just put it in and note what the number of the payout's going to be. And then go and tease both of, both of those money lines and take note of what the number is. And this is why I said that the numbers are messed up on DraftKings. A lot of times, depending on what the number is, if you're teasing two teams that are like six and a half to seven and a half points on DraftKings, if you do a six-point teaser, you're paying minus 135, minus 140 you could parlay those two numbers together on the money line. Get the one, like if it's seven and a half, instead of laying minus one and a half, you actually would get that number back if you're taking the money lines. And the money line parlay is paying better in most of those cases than the teaser is right there. So you're getting an extra half a point to a point and a half. And you're also getting a better payout on it at the end. So it makes zero sense to do those teasers on DraftKings if you don't also compare what the money line parlay would be because a lot of times you're getting more numbers in your favor and a better payout on the money line Parlay.
0: Well, big thing too. I was going to plug in FTN. They have the Parlay calculators for you guys or just the, the betting calculators in general. So always reference and check other sites for better odds. That's something we would always recommend. Ideally for me, most of the time I end up caught up in DraftKings because I either do the daily lineups and they always coincide your bank account. So it's kind of a pain in ass. Sometimes if you win some bets to bring it to and from, so I get some people are in those situations. So, you know, for the most part, though, it is one or the other. It's either DraftKings or FanDuel. Now, I love FanDuel because of those um, same game parlays, and that's a big reason I try to keep some money in there, too. But again, don't forget about the offshore guys, especially for bet online. We got one more game I want to touch on, Benny, before we wrap things up or get to any games that I missed. And it's Seattle on the road against San Francisco. Five and a half point favorites are the Seahawks. Over under is at 56. Benny, this is a game we were torn on last week, and I really like Seattle. And you flip me to the Rams, and I stood on Seattle. My thought being that I just thought, even though the Rams were a better team on paper, I just liked what the Seahawks had to offer. And I still don't feel that good about it. I mean, they won. I don't feel great about it. The, the running backs for the Rams got hurt along the way. There was no Akers, no Henderson. So that played a big part of it because there were multiple times where the Rams could have changed the game there, and Malcolm Brown got stuffed. But Seattle is Seattle, and it looks like they're going to run away and win this division unless San Francisco has something to say about it San Francisco are they back at home do you know if they're back at home or they're still playing in Arizona I, have- no,
1: I think I don't think they're allowed back in San I don't think they're allowed back in California so they're,
0: so they're still in Arizona There's still a neutral field this was a game that I figured I'd end up crossing the zero I like Seattle to win outright here it'll cross the zero in a teaser this was another one cuz my thing was I was going to ask you about the Vikings and Ravens and if none of those really hit in terms of teasers but I do love the Vikings a lot now I was going to somehow try to convince you to let me cross the zero and play Seattle here Yeah you listen I I don't I do get like it. Seattle I like Seattle straight up here it's under 6 I love the I I love them here but I didn't know if I should be worried about the 49ers Well
1: I mean basically the argument that you're making is an argument that that is kind of out there right now about you're better off just playing the six or the five right. and a half or whatever the number is. What, what's the number, five and a half?
0: Five and a half, I'm better off. Yeah, that.
1: that's what I thought of. okay Okay. Um, so you're better off just playing the five and a half than you are in teasing it down. And again, like, it's tough for me to explain this to people because my, my brain and the way I look at things works differently than other people. And it took me a while to learn this myself before I, I started looking at it this way. But you don't look at anything as like, small sample one bet, right? Like one bet, you could be like, oh man, he told me not to tease it and they, won, they only won by four and I lost that bet. But if you do that same thing a thousand times, you're better off over the course of a thousand times just taking the five and a half. That doesn't mean that you're not going to lose sometimes. You're actually going to wind up losing more, but you're going to win more money on each one of those wins than you do when it's part of a teaser. If that, you know, if that makes sense to people, there's more value in just taking the number that way. So over the long term, it's better to just take the five and a half than it is to tease it down through the zero here. Does, again, does that mean that you're not going to win more bets? No, you're always going to win more bets if you're moving the line six points. But the question isn't are you going to win more bets is are you going to win enough bets to make up for the difference in the price? And in this situation, the answer to that question, over a thousand sample size bet or more is no, you're not going to win more money. So the better move to make if you're trying to make the the right analytical gambling move all the time is to just take the five and a half in that situation and not worry about teasing it. But um, again, if you want to tease it, I'm not going to tell you not to because it's one bet. It's not a thousand bets or something you would do a hundred times over the course of the season. And again, the last week of the season is kind of all bets are off with shit because trying to do analytics and data-driven analysis on things that we really don't have any data on or very little data on. It's kind of pointless anyway, because you wind up making so many assumptions and guesses that it defeats the purpose of following the numbers. You know what I mean? Like the whole point of following the numbers is you're taking all the assumptions and guesswork out of it and just following where the numbers are showing you, you should be. And you don't really have that when you have these small sample sizes of random players that we haven't seen out there playing together or with each other or against each other
0: yeah no i so i really like that it's under 6 i, I thought see i try, i just try to challenge myself a little bit you know i'd like to look at it and just when when i look at these teasers sometimes i just like to go with the safest bets and like the smartest bets where it's like i know this team will win outright just tease it down and i could leg a couple two team teasers with this and just vary my options but at the same time you know, Seattle minus six, you'd like to think that they're going to just take care of business and win by a touchdown. I think a lot of the times when uh, numbers are in the five and a half, and so we talked about this with the Bears, it's kind of in the middle of purgatory there where I don't love it. You know, A field goal covers it. It's a division game. There's a lot that could go on. So I always felt like it'd be safer to just get Seattle to just win outright and worry about it later. But when you're going that far, if you just take the chance and pair that up with the Vikings minus six and a half, like we talked about, instead of teasing that, take your chances there in that two leg, instead of two team teasing the Vikings and the uh, Seahawks and just playing those spreads, you're obviously going to make a lot more money and a lot more profit on that over the long haul, even this week, if they cover those numbers now to your point over a thousand times, obviously that's the better way to go about it. And teasing it is teasing it, but Hey, this has been fun, buddy. I enjoy it. I've learned a lot about teasers. I've learned, I, I've learned, I've learned, We've grown over these 17 weeks. I know you haven't been on the whole way through, um, but it's okay because we've come around. We, we, we've been consistent with it. I think the people love it. Um, we know that it's affecting people because they're learning things and they're talking to me about it, and that's, that's always great, and I think that's a big thing to it. Um, and we'll definitely get something going during the playoff season. I know we'll definitely generate something. We'll have a lot less games to talk about, but still – just as much action to talk about and just as many things to bet on. What I was going to close on is, do you have any futures? Do you have any Super Bowl favorites or anyone you're kind of pulling towards in the playoffs? And have you put any money on anyone yet?
1: Um, I haven't, to be honest with you. I will wait until all this stuff works out this week. I will take a look at it. To be perfectly honest with you, I don't think there's going to be value there because if you ask me who I think is going to end up in the championship, I honestly think that the chiefs are just head and shoulders above everybody else. Like they have a switch that they can turn on that no other team can get to that level. When they're, when they're clicking there, nobody can stop them. That, that, that offense is just way, way, way too good. But then even in the NFC, like I, Seattle, I think is flawed. You know, I like the saints more than I like green Bay. So if I did anything right now, it would probably be betting on the saints to win the whole thing. Then when it got to the Super Bowl, hoping that I had a good enough number that maybe I could find some value on the other side with the with the Chiefs, who I think are going to be the team that comes out of the AFC. But you don't want to bet on the favorites if you're looking for future. So you don't want to take the Packers. You don't want to take the Chiefs. You'll probably get better value on the second-tier teams, like,
0: yeah. like a
1: Buffalo, like a, um, a Tennessee, like, if, you know, If you're going to look for a a team to bet a future on right now at this point, that's where the value is going to be. The value is not going to be with the top seeds.
0: So, yeah. So, last year I got in on the Chiefs. Actually, after Mahomes got hurt and dislocated his kneecap, I bet them with Matt Moore, and that ended up really paying out for me. So, I did something similar when the Bills started to uh, lose to better teams when they lost to the Chiefs, when they lost to the Titans. I actually bet on them. I doubled down on them because I figured – those are the times to get it when people stop believing in them. Those are my, that, that, that's my long shot, and I did like the Steelers as well because I think I bet them when they were undefeated and they were still significantly um, you know, further than the Chiefs. Last year, my Super Bowl pick was Chiefs-Packers, and so I'll stick to something like that. It's too cookie-cutter. I worry about the Packers because you saw it in the playoffs last year. When a team comes out and runs the ball and smacks them in the mouth, you saw it when the Vikings beat them this year it gets ugly for them. I mean, it gets really ugly. And they are flawed too. They are absolutely flawed. I think it's the same story every year in the NFC. And this is the Packers even dating back, and I'm a Giants fan, dating back to the two times the Giants saw him in the playoffs and beat him. with Favre and Rodgers, a team comes in there, and the Packers could be home. And you can think, and Rodgers has come out and said this, that no one wants to go over there and muscle them out in the snow, in the tundra. There are teams that do. Maybe the Saints don't want to do it because they're a dome team, but there's a team, especially wildcard teams, that are going to want to come in there, run the ball, and play physical football. The issue is I don't know if it's this year. I think this year with the teams that are in, the, in that picture, the Packers have a favorable, favorable landing spot. The Bucks won't want to go to Green Bay. I don't think the Rams want to go to Green Bay. I don't think Arizona wants to go to Green Bay. I think those teams too. And in order for them to play physical running football, I don't know if they could do that brand. I really don't know if they could do that brand. And that's what you're going to have to do. I think the most dominated I've seen the Packers was that Minnesota game at home that they lost because of Dalvin cook. And that's the recipe to win them uh, to beat them. And you saw it in the NFC championship game last year. That was the worst championship game I ever saw in my life. Most of it ran for 200 yards. That game was over. I mean, it was over.
1: Well, in- let me ask you. Let me ask you this question: In the NFC,
0: yeah,
1: maybe the Saints, but who else has a running back that can do that?
0: No one. That's the thing.
1: And, that, and that's why. That's why I think, other than the Saints, I don't see anybody beating the Packers that's because. An
0: and then the Saints would have to be on the road, and and that's what worries me about them. That's why I want. I'm going to stick with Packers, Chiefs. I hate picking the two number ones, but you know. It's how it worked out. I would have stuck with it either way. I went with it last year, and I was a game away. I think the Packers' worst enemy is always themselves.
1: Yeah. All like I, I said, I, for, me, for me, I think it's going to end up Chiefs and Saints. Those have been the top two teams in my power rankings for a while. Um, again, I have no – I have been probably since the middle of the season, I have been telling people that they're too low on the Saints, like the Saints have been that team. And we've made a lot of money the second half of the season by being on the right side of the Saints, straight up in teasers everywhere along the way there. So I'm sticking with what got me here. Now, again, the Packers have been another team that we've teased the hell out of a lot. So, you know, it's nice to see when you get down to the end of the year that the teams that you've been riding, the teams that you've been with all season long, have worked out really well. I mean, again, the Bears are a team that nobody but me liked. But if you want <laughs> well, I once like on the Bears, <laughs> and they're now knocking on the door of making the playoffs, which is something nobody thought. Most teams picked the Bears to come in last in this division at the beginning of the year. People were saying Detroit's on the up, and Minnesota and Green Bay are going to be banging it out. Like I've been telling people, that Bears defense is nasty, and they have some skill position players that aren't bad. And dude, if you put a good quarterback on the Bears, like they're a, a good team, a very good. Like they're they're a team that I would not want to play in the playoffs no matter who I was.
0: Well, they run well, a shit out of the They do not have a
1: good quarterback. They, they Mitch commuter- was not the answer.
0: Yeah, he's definitely not the answer, and they're definitely going to look for someone, too. It, it's nuts. It's nuts. And then you mentioned the Saints. They're their own worst enemies, too. They should have the, – the position you're saying they're in was the last two seasons, and each of the last two seasons they lost in a worse really? fashion than the year before. Okay. I think it's three seasons now. It's almost like you're going to see the Saints host a playoff game this year a t- like against the Bears, they're gonna have no business losing against the Bears, and they're gonna lose on a hail mary at the end, and it's gonna be like, how did this happen? The Bears are gonna lose the next round in a game that the Saints would have definitely kept more competitive, and it's crazy. I want the Saints to win, I do, but they're so fucking snake bitten. It's crazy, they're so snake bitten. I- well, hey,
1: here's the, you know, the thing that people have to keep in mind with a lot of this too is there's only one team every year that ends this. Well, maybe some some crappy teams that didn't make the playoffs, but. It's only one team that ends with a win at the end of the season. You know, everybody, everybody stumbles somewhere along the way. Otherwise, they would have won the Super Bowl. So, you know, yeah, there's a lot of these teams that, that have made those mistakes. But that only means that variance is going to swing into their favor at some point here. You know what I mean? So, that's the, way, that's the other way to look at that.
0: The Saints are due. The Saints are due. They, they, they're they, overdue. If
1: so they were awesome. a library book, they would owe a fortune right now. That's how overdue they are.
0: Well, not in the Weehawken library because I definitely sell old books there and I've never been.
1: Dude, they just let you drop it off. It's all. I actually did it with my kid took one out right before the pandemic. <laughs> I dropped that shit off in like September and they were like, yeah, don't worry about it.
0: <laughs> we, we we run through these books around here. Benny, that's it. This has been fun. Um, we're going to win again this week. I have no doubt in my mind. People continue to listen. The last two weeks, I think we're up seven to eight units. Absolutely bonkers. Having a lot of fun along the way. Week 17 is going to be an absolute shit show, though. I'm um, embracing for the worst. Um, I have money where my heart is in terms of this show. I don't know if I'm going to put my actual money where my heart is in real life because I tend to try to stay away from that. So this way, you know, I don't fall into a deep, dark hole of depression. But um,
1: <laughs> it's- hey, you hedge your you hedge your fandom with your vault, with your wallet. Yes. So one way or another, you're going to end up happy at the end of the day.
0: Yes. And the Jets hedge did pay off last week. So I'll definitely look into this Giants hedge, and I'll definitely take you up on that. Um, but again, man, this has been fun. Thank you again for coming on and enjoy the new year. Enjoy the new year. I'll talk to you in 2021.
1: It's gotta be better than this shit show. Oh my God.
0: That's not saying much. That's like saying the the Giants offense is going to be better this week than it has been the last two weeks.
1: <laughs> hey man, low bars. I'm all about coming over low bars.
0: Yeah, man. All right. Well, thank you again, Betty that interview with Benny Ricciardi was brought to you by betonline.ag betonline your online sportsbook experts big shout out to Benny for coming on again and finishing out this regular season with a strong again guys only winners only profit on this show listen to what we have to say play everything last week of the regular season football is almost gone playoff football is almost here but it's time to cash and have some fun enjoy it while it's here because for a while we didn't know it would exist so hey 2020 has been crazy i hope everyone stays safe healthy and happy um i know this is normally where i'll plug the show no need to plug right now thank you guys for riding out this year with me here on the new york football podcast This is the first time I've done anything like this, had a show for myself, didn't know what to make of it, crazy year, The show has been through a lot for me, almost at 50 episodes, nuts, I would have never thought this all would have come together the way it did, but thank you all for being a part of it, those of you who are loyal listeners, I really, really appreciate it, guys, happy new year, stay safe, hope 2021 brings us all some more joy, happiness, and health, so, stay safe, enjoy the new year, celebrate, peace out 2020. Love you guys. Stay safe.